Hey friends, it's podcast recommendation time. So we recently started listening to CEO School with Sanira Madhani, and we are blown away by how much she shares of her journey and the value she's providing. Did you know that she built a unicorn business as she built uh, transaction processing software, like I know much, but called Stacks? Okay, it is a <laughs> unicorn business and she shares so much value as she's built a business that is worth over a billion dollars. Yeah. I never knew that that was an actual term, unicorn business, but it means a business that's been built to the billions. We're talking B as in billions. And so, as a female CEO, right? In- incredible. I mean, she's such an inspiration and CEO school is really committed to the same thing that we are, closing the gap and helping more women level up. And they do it by sharing stories and strategies from powerful women in leadership. And she likes to say, Sanira likes to say, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Oh, I'm going to put that as a post-it on my computer. Powerful, right? So we also loved listening in on her episode with Sofia Amoroso, our OG girl boss, as they discussed bootstrapping, the importance of learning to say no, and what you should have set before growing a team, fulfilling on your promise to your customers, plus how all of these components play a role in growing a million and billion dollar business. CEO School, hosted by Sanira Vanhani, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Listen to CEO School wherever you get your podcasts and share with us how much you loved it because we know that you love it just as much as we do. Hey friends, are you unsure of what to say on social media or what to even send in your weekly emails? Well, what if creating content could be easy? Would you be looking for a shortcut to creating consistent content? Yes, consistent content because you know consistency is key. Well, let me tell you, you are not alone when you feel like you're struggling on what to post or what to write in emails. And we know that you have that product part of your business down. But as you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that to get more people to your products, to buy your products, you need to create great content. Oh, I know. I see. I keep saying content and that's the dreaded C word. And we can't tell you how many product bosses tell us that they want to create great content for their audience and their customers, but they don't know what to say, or they are so busy they can't find the time, or they really, really, really don't want to be the face of their brand. Well, no worries, because that's exactly why we created a year of content. It is your shortcut to creating consistent content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayearofcontent.com. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we're dedicated to helping product-based business owners turn into revenue-generating, successful, happy product bosses. I'm Jacqueline Snyder. And I'm Nina Kunlositep. Together through digital courses, coaching, and masterminds, we've helped over 50,000 students from startup to multi-million dollar businesses scale their sales while blending in their dream life. It gets lonely out there in the product business world. We fully believe a business shouldn't be built alone. There's room at the top for all of us. So let's get scrappy and creative together, Product Boss, to be profitable, make more sales, and grow your visibility. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey friends, it's Jacqueline and Mina back for another year and another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. (laughs) Another year. (laughs) 
We're kicking it off strong. <laughs> yes. So this is one of many episodes this year, but this one is going to be really, really good because this is something that we work on with every single person I think that we end up working with is this feeling of people taking it personally. (laughs) (laughs) Taking what personally? Um, Like sales, you know, marketing, sales, building their business, feeling like things are a failure when they're actually successes, you know, or they're... I think this is a really big topic that we talk about over and over throughout the year. Yeah. So we're really going to get into that a lot of what you hear back is feedback, whether whether you hear something back or you don't, right? It's feedback and it's not failure. So we're going to help you try and get over that idea of feeling like you have to take it personally. Now, we wanted to bring this to you early in the year because we're setting you all up to really succeed this year. We're going to jump full force into this with you here in January. We're going into the Product Boss's Guide to Your Best Year Yet free series of workshops. And it's also going to lead into the best seller secrets challenge that's going to be kicking off the week of Valentine's Day. So what we want you all to do is head to theproductboss.com slash best to sign up. But with that, with knowing that this challenge is approaching, with knowing that we're going to start talking a lot about how your best seller can really work for you by getting your best seller onto multiple sales channels, on in, um, diversifying your sales platforms and diversifying your marketing efforts with less headache, right? And how that can actually grow your business faster. It could really build that momentum. Right. And so we get tens of thousands of people that go through our challenges. And like Jacqueline said, this is our most popular and our favorite one uh, because it helps you to really understand how to scale as a small business. Now, we get people from every stage, like I said, you know, anywhere from people starting to multiple million-dollar businesses. And the thing is, is that lots of times when people come into the challenge and we're teaching them about bestseller and how to scale, they start to feel like it's I'm it's too soon or something. They don't have, they don't know where to start in order to get to their bestseller. So that's what we're gonna work on with you in this particular episode to get your mind wrapped around like we all start here. And that is in this stage that Jacqueline and I refer to a lot of times as test and try stage. Um, It's the phase one, beginning stage. And a lot of people get tripped up about that because they are trying to prove something like that they have a a legit product or that something is valid. But the whole goal of this stage, I will tell you, is to experiment and it is to test the feedback. That's all you want is feedback, not trying to prove something that whether it's a success or a failure, it has nothing to do with whether or not something is a success or a failure. It has to do with gathering a ton of feedback. Mm -hmm. Imagine if we approached everything we did in business like that, right? That Uh amazing business owners actually have this as a post-it on my computer, that I am an amazing bleep business owner because (laughs) I take (laughs) risks. Right. Because I, I'll tell you, I am, I am number one in thinking, you know, oh my gosh, I failed. I tried this launch. It failed. I took this project on. It failed according to my own measure of failure. Right. If we talked to Mina, Mina, she, she's on another side of the spectrum of like (laughs) hopeful glasses more full than half empty. (laughs) Yeah. I would say I never see things as failures because the only failure, I heard this quote and I don't know who said it, but only failure is if you don't take a lesson from something. Mm. And that is the failure in itself. There's a gem to everything. I'm just testing things out. 
And if I were to go in thinking this worked, maybe, you know, it's like if I quit, well, maybe I just had to try a different way one more time. You know, it's like not ever looking back to move forward. And I feel like, you know, when you say take risks, for example, I don't really identify with feeling like I'm risky, though probably people would imagine I am. It's more so that I feel like, uh, what, can you say the quote for me again? What I say to myself? Yeah, I'm yeah. an amazing business owner because I take risks. Because I take risks. So I would probably, in my mind, I'm like, I'm an amazing business owner because I continue to put myself out there. You know, in my mind, that is what a lot of us do. It's like continuing to take the risk of putting yourselves out there in different ways and then seeing how the world receives that. And that is very risky to a lot of people. People don't want to put themselves out there. They don't want to open themselves up to critique we don't want to fail. Feedback. Yeah, we don't want to fail. Exactly. Failure, failure is something like I'm. Failure goes into I'm not good enough. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this. Um, what this do was I a know? Terrible idea. Yeah. Um, what do I know about running a business? I have these big hopes and dreams, but if I can't do X, then I'm not going to be Y. Right. So, I and think- I will tell you, it has nothing to do with that. Nothing <laughs> to do with that. But this is the mindset stuff, right? And so yeah. that's why I think what we want to do and why I, where I've, because this is something I've had to work on. So something that I've started shifting my mindset around is it's feedback. It's not yeah. failure, right? Don't take it personally. It's, oh, I tried launching this with emails only and I didn't get the conversions that I wanted. Well, it's not like I've failed at the launch. It's just that the feedback is, is it doesn't work solely with emails. So perhaps... I need to run, you know, do lives or something like that. It's it's feedback to say, what can I improve on versus throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, and start over something new. Yeah, for sure. So when, so, you know, usually it's like, okay, where do we start? Okay, we're starting off in a business. And for when all of you come to us and uh, even in the challenge and in the workshops, we start to tell you go deep and not wide. That's just give to give you a preview. But most people are like, but how? Right. But let's so, talk about what that means. Cause I want to, like, I think mm-hmm. you and I are talking around it, like contextually. So let's yeah. talk about product people. Yeah. So a lot of you, and this can work for you if you're a multi-million dollar business or you're just starting out. So if you're just mm-hmm. starting out, you might be saying, I don't have any sales. How do I get like, I am, am I failing because I haven't made sales? Am I failing because I don't even get feedback? I don't make feedback. Some of you might be saying, you know, I sell, but I don't sell a lot. I barely sold anything. How I could I... five things. Yeah. You know? How could I possibly... Like, I feel like I'm failing and how, how can I find a bestseller? How do I go deep, not wide when I have no idea what I'm doing? Some of you might have that Etsy mentality of making literally everything you could possibly make in your workshop with the with the tools that you have. And then you've got all of these things because Etsy told you so. And you're like, but I have all these things. I have no idea how I could niche down. And, and it goes on from there, right? So that's, I think, just the context of where Mina's going to take us. Yeah, for sure. So let's say you are the Etsy seller and you hear from all these people like, just start selling and see what happens. If you have too much product, though, you're collecting too much data on too many different things, too many variables. So you don't know what's working. That's the problem. So in, in, in to put this into simple terms, you want to prove whether or not something works in the way that you're selling it. Okay. So for example, let's say you took instead of Etsy, which it could be Etsy, you took, you know, what you think that you want your bestseller to be, and you tried to prove it in 
in person. That's just, you know, it could be, it could be Etsy. It could be in person. It could be like, let's just start with one. Okay. And so you start sending out emails about it. You start talking to people that enter your booth. You start arranging your booth in different ways and you start testing it because all of us have this gut version of, you know, Ooh, I, I'm starting this business and this is what I want to sell. This is what I want to sell. So I'm going to test it. I'm going to prove if there is a market fit for this. That's what you're trying to prove. Now, we get wrapped up in that word proving because then it becomes like, oh, this is, you know, proven or not. But really in this stage, you just want feedback. So for example, when somebody's entering your booth, you literally are trying to sell to them that same thing whatever it is, and you're trying to say to them, here's why you should buy it. And so you're collecting data over and over of what makes that person bring out their wallet and actually pay good money for whatever you're offering them. So that's the feedback, right? So they either say no or they say yes. This is where people start to take it personally. They're like, ooh, that person didn't bring out their wallet and they didn't buy I'm taking it personally as I didn't make that sale. But was it the timing? Was it Were they not the ideal customer? Did you not phrase it in the right way? Did you not make the desire for them the right thing? So usually it's about like testing the same things over and over, like saying the same things over and over, selling the same things over and over. And I, um, Jacqueline and I, when we were talking about this concept, you know, we're like, if you hear it, mirror it. So if you hear them say something that made them buy, you mirror it and test it on the second person. So when the other person comes in and you're like, yeah, this person bought this for all of her grandkids and they're like, it clicks in their brain like, oh, that's why how I could, you know, why I would buy this too. Then you start to see, ooh, that was really good data right there. They're buying it because of this. I have to verbalize why they, you know, that this is for their grandkids or whatever it is. So if you hear it, they mirror it. And that's really what like, testing and trying and experimenting is, it's playing around with the messaging, playing around with the product and seeing if it really does make the purchases with the customer that you are attracting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to use the world cup as an example. Okay. Okay. I just made a reel about it and I'm going to use the world cup as as an example of how you all can do this. So um, we just went through, you know, football, soccer, however you want to say it in the world, wherever we're listening. Football. So you put together teams, right? Imagine a team mm-hmm. is your product lineup. All right. Uh-huh. So you're creating a team of products to put out there and compete in the world against other people's teams of products. You're a candle maker. You have a team of products going against another candle maker's team of products. Now, I know we always talk about collaboration over competition, but there is a competitive place in the market that we're going to want to, we want you to be known for, right? So like if anyone hasn't watched three months later, um, Argentina won the World Cup. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) A couple months later. And Messi, it was the first time out of his entire career that he he actually won the World Cup. Now, if we think about our products as a team lineup and we start to have a team just play, we're just, you've got, think about your kids going to AYSO soccer, they're out, they're playing. You they're start playing to, in the marketplace, right? They're playing. The World Cup. Yeah. And then you start to see, hmm, that kid's really 
really standing out over there as like the the person who's like shooting all the goals, right? They're the striker. They're they're doing really well. Or wow, that that goalie over there is like really saving this team. Maybe there's a combo of different players, but nonetheless, long term, if you've ever played sports, there's usually something at the end which is your MVP, your most valuable player. So when you start to play your products out on the field of the market, and you start to get direct feedback, you're going to see which ones don't do well, don't perform, that need to be taken off the field. You're going to see the ones that are doing okay, but they need more, they need more coaching, they need more help, or they're just Mm -hmm. kind of like coasting. Then you're going to see your MVPs, you're going to find yourself the messy who's going to like, be the number one on that team. And you're going to say, ah, I have found my most, my most viable product, my most valuable player, which AKA is your bestseller. Then you lead with that, right? Then you put your strongest item out in front. You put that one out to do the the penalty kicks. You, you put your bestseller out to lead the team forward. Would Argentina have gotten and won the world cup without him? Probably not because he was such a core aspect of that player that drove the team forward. And here's why, too, is because it wasn't that he was just a star and it was only him. There's no I in team. He was a great supporter. He was a leader, meaning that the rest of the team really followed suit and they really thrived because he led them in a way that they felt supported, right? Not in a way that it's like, hey, I'm the star of the show and you guys just do whatever I want to do. So even with your bestseller, imagine like when you're doing bundles, the bestseller supports the other the other things in that bundle. That's just an example. Or it's um it's it's done in a way where it's like, "Oh, you're you're leading with your bestseller, but uh, but um you're not only selling your bestseller in a lot of in a lot of times, right? Sometimes there's bundles, sometimes there's um you might have other categories. Other products, you right, yeah. right. Now, here's where I want to I want to step it back and now get tactical for all of you. So when we go back to the idea of it's not, it's feedback, it's not failure, right? So don't take it personally. For all of you that are either just starting out, you're, you're, because we get this question all the time in the live challenge and the live workshops. Well, I'm brand new to this. How do I even determine my bestseller? This is the key that we want you all to think about if you're in that kind of startup stage, you haven't really started generating revenue yet, maybe you're making less than $2,000 a month. Whatever, no matter what, you should have all found a niche, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're making kids' clothing and pet clothing and candles and bath soaps and jewelry and you're selling all of this at once, then you're not going to be known for anything, right? But if 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 you're like, you know what, I really see a need in the market for kids' clothes, that are brightly colored for boys and girls that maybe are are unisex, let's call it, then that is the market category you're going into. You're going to test it. Do parents want onesies? Do they, do they want, or like jumpers? Do they want um, shorts, shirts, dresses, whatever it is? So at least we've got like a category we're going in with. Then what we want you to do is we want you to go somewhere that you can get really good, quick feedback. And typically we see that happen at in-person type events. So holiday markets, gift shows, farmers, farmers markets, markets yeah. crafts, craft shows. Mm-hmm. Grassroots ways. Th- that's really the idea of it is like, that's why you'll see sometimes bigger brands will just go straight to farmer's market because they have immediate fade- feedback and, and face-to-face feedback. Yeah. Meaning that it's like instant to them. Yeah. It's harder to build a website and just have like the universe show up and buy 
You could try it on social, but you're going to want to test it in different ways. Perhaps some of you have tested it on Etsy. Another quick way of feedback is jumping into wholesale, but wholesale, and we teach this in Multi-Stream Machine, which is our signature course, but, or in program is the idea of, um, of, you know, putting your, basically what we're asking you to do, which is why I started with the word risk is put yourself out there Mm -hmm. in front of real human beings. Yep. And when you watch the real human beings, when you listen to them, so we want you to watch, listen, observe, and then also look at the transactions. What are they reaching for? What are they saying? What are they mumbling to the person they walked into your booth with, right? What is everyone walking in the direction of? Switch things up in your booth. If you're like, oh, people are loving this one thing. I'm going to put more of them in the front. Start to get the feedback because that's what we're saying about failure. Start to get the feedback and be like, oh, I heard her say, I wish they had it in size X. Or, Mm. oh, I heard her say like, oh, this is too small. I want a bigger vase. Think about what they're saying. Don't take action immediately, but get the feedback. And when you start to see consistent feedback, that is the thing that's then going to help you make your product the best of the best and to hit your customer's needs in the best possible way. Hey, product bosses, you made it to January. Congratulations. And as you start to wind down and recover from the holiday season, it's so important to focus on working on your business instead of working in your business now. Right. And we say it all the time. Working on your business is just as important as working in your business. And one of the best ways to work on your business is to start moving things off of your plate so that you can spend more time in your zone of genius. But how, right? So one of the easiest ways to move things off your plate is by using a system and using a software that helps track your marketing, your sales, your customer information all in one place so that you don't have to worry about it. And you're able to find that information in a breeze, especially when you get back into being busy and working inside your business. This is legit everything I've ever needed. (laughs) to be all in one place, okay? So we have a solution for you, which is why we're so excited to talk about HubSpot, which is an all-in-one CRM platform that helps you and even your team do the best work of your lives, right? Makes it so much easier. And that's because it's a powerfully connected system that gives you one solution. HubSpot is easy for your entire team to use so that all of you can focus on what matters most, your customers. Right. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow even better at HubSpot.com. I want to reemphasize, do not take immediate action. You're just in gathering feedback. So sometimes people will feel like I need to pivot right now, but you have to stay consistent in order to test something. Meaning you're not trying to test a hundred thousand different things at once, right? Or even a thousand or even a hundred, you need to stay consistent and have the same conversations over and over a lot of times. So that way you can gather the feedback and you can see, you know, is this messaging landing? Does it feel right? Um, is it is this bestseller actually easy to talk about? Um, is it bringing in the right customer? Because because even if you get feedback at a marketplace that they're not buying, it's potentially that they're not your ideal customer. This is how people sometimes get in trouble a little bit with um, discounting and, and doing giveaways because those people are only attracted to the discounts and the giveaways. And they haven't tested real pricing to their ideal customer. 
So let's talk about what you're saying right here in the idea uh of like, let's say you go to a market and nobody buys. Yeah. You look at the data, right? You don't go, I went to this market. I failed. I'm out of business. I don't know what I'm doing. You look at it and you say, well, what, what was it? Was the right customer there? Was it the location I was in? Was it the way my booth looked when you look around at the other booths and and other people are Was I sitting there on my phone? Yeah. Did I not actually put myself out there? Did I just show up as a booth owner, but but passively sat there? Yeah. You know how many times I walk past booths and the people aren't there? Yeah. Oh, oh, all the time. They're chatting somewhere else. Nobody is coming. Or they're on their phone. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to interrupt you because you're doing something important, like playing Did candy Did you crush. invite the person in? Did you invite them to have a conversation with you? Did you say mm-hmm. certain things and, and see, saw if they landed? Did you hear you and mirror certain language that you heard? Are you talking about their struggle and not your own struggle? You know, are you just chit-chatting about the weather? You yeah. know? And pay attention to the other booths, the other people in the space that you're in Who's busy? And then look at them and say, why are they busy? Is it signage? Is it the way that it's set up? Do they have more clout in the world that people know? Have they been going to this market week over week over week consistently? Did they invite people to come see them at that market? Yeah. Did they introduce themselves to the other vendors? You yeah. Know? Do they have some sort of cross promotion? Did follow them on Instagram and say, did they let everybody know on Instagram and their email list that like they're going to be live at this market? Because the thing is, my friends, and I've done this, I used to work for a celebrity. We did a major fashion show with like huge celebrities um, in Las Vegas. And it was during um, the market, Ellie, sorry, it's called Magic, the Magic Show, which is a clothing apparel thing. And we had a booth. I designed the booth. We were a little booth in the middle of a row in a gigantic convention center. And all I could see was Beyonce's mom's like gigantic like store built within this convention center, like gigantic, right? So much money, think Beyonce. And there I am for three days in this booth with not a single order. I had a beautiful sign. I had the clothes hanging on a rack. They were all color coordinated. I, as the designer- not to take that personally, right? I was sitting there for three, I'm like, I'm the designer, not even a sales rep. I can't even sell because there's nobody walking in. So what did, what was the feedback I got there? Not that we weren't going to sell because we sold. Right. We sold online. We sold, we sold wholesale just at that market. So my feedback was not the right show for us. Too big. I'm not a we're not a big enough brand. Having a tiny booth in the middle of an aisle doesn't work because no one's gonna find their way to us in this middle mm-hmm. aisle when I'm looking at these giant booths. Um, perhaps that I need to call people and get stores to say they're gonna come see it because we didn't have an ROI on our fashion show. The fashion show is just a fashion show instead of getting the buyers and then taking appointments with buyers to come meet with me at the show. So it's a significant thing that stands out in my mind because I just remember sitting there for three days feeling hopeless. But instead of feeling like hopeless and feeling like a failure, I could gather the data around me and say, the next time I try this, this is how I'm going to do it different. It's not feedback. I mean, it's not failure. It's feedback. Yeah. I love this because it's where all of us start is feedback and people are unsure what to do. And with you, for example, in that case, I would have said you probably needed to get some feedback, which is also known as research, right? You're researching, you're collecting data, you're doing these things. You probably could have walked the floor before you committed, right? So walking the floor in any other show, for example, is, or any other market or any other, let's say you're even going to go to a farmer's market. When you walk that show and you start to really understand what type of marketplace is this? 
are they actually the customers that I want to um, bring to my booth? How can I invite these um, these um, uh, customers to my booth? And is it you know some you'll see this even with um, like uh, farmers markets? I don't know uh, craft markets that have a lot of um, direct sellers. I don't mean this in any disrespect to direct sellers, but that's why you have the inability to stand out a lot of times is because. One, you're not doing anything else that somebody else isn't doing. For example, you're not inviting them into your booth, showing them how to use the direct selling products, whatever it is. Even that is a step up from somebody who's just sitting there. Also, in a marketplace, like if you walk that floor and you understand that, oh, this is just, this is open to a bunch of direct sellers, then there's the opportunity for you to be like, to stand out or to blend in, for example. So the all of that is just data. It has nothing to do with that they are personally saying to you, I don't want your product. You know, there's things that you could do that are like, oh, I understand that this is the type of crowd that it's drawing. These are the things that I could do. These are the things that I could say in conversation to see if it's landing or it feels icky with, to me or whatever. Or if it's like, um, you know, like you start to feel it out a little bit more and then you start to kind of gravitate to your own bestseller along with your customers. And I think this comes to you and I pretty naturally because we're high fact finders. We took yeah. um, a test called the Colby test and it has, it buckets you into four different things. And Mina and I are quick starts, which means it doesn't take us a long time to make a decision and start something. There's some people who are lower on the quick start, which means they, they will not probably take action like analysis paralysis yeah and but we're high quick start but we're also high um fact finding which means that mina and i need just enough facts to be able to make a decision quickly so our team knows if they come to us without facts without data points it it will be very hard for us to say yes or no and we're probably going to come back and say give us more information what our brain is asking so i think the same thing for all of you is it's starting i think if we could think about business in a scientific, mathematic Mm -hmm. way. And you could pull the emotion out of it. When we say math, not drama, numbers are numbers, they're feedback, right? Mm -hmm. Even testimonials are feedback. Yes, sure, you got opinion in it. People, people's... um, Actions typically we we think we yeah. want to go off their words, but their actions are actually the thing that's telling us. Yeah, the I real mean, feedback. any scientist knows that you monitor the behavior over what somebody says because people can say they want this, they want that. Hey, you know what you should do? You know what you should make? Yeah, they can say it, but will they actually behave in a way that they're pulling out their wallets to pay you for you, pay that for you, you know, or pay you for that? And that's where like behavior, where it's like. Even with us, like sometimes, you know, if you want somebody to take a certain action, you have to really think about is that they say they want that, but is that true? It's like that emotional part of it, you know. How many people will tell you, you all know this, you make something like, you know what you should do? You should make X. Right. You're like, that's great, but I'm going to become the best, the best at this. Mm -hmm. So I think for all of you to not kind of get too confused is that. Because some of you might be out there thinking, well, people still don't buy from me. Like, maybe you did just decide to do candles and you got... I always use candles because I think very specifically in terms of a jar and wax and really the variations are the scents and the um, sizing potentially. That's why I give candles because it's like there's lots of variations to a particular product. 
Now, let's say they're not buying. Then you need to say, okay, well, I can't get the data from the money. Something else before that is broken. What is that? It could be that the packaging isn't pretty. It could be that they look like every other candle out there. It could be that um, the vase, you know, it's a little too handcrafted. It could be that the the location you're going to doesn't have the right customers there to be attracted to the type of vessel you're sharing it in. Because my question is, is if they come up and they smell it and they put it down, you can see immediately like, oh, they're not attracted to any of the scents or something about the scents doesn't stand out. Another thing for me with candles is I'll smell it, but my sec, like it'll be, I think it'll be this way. I see something that looks pretty. And so Mm -hmm. I walk up to the vessel because I like what it looks like. Then I look at the labels and I go, oh, okay, this is, oh, I want to try that scent. I pick it up. I smell it. If I like the smell and I like the look, I most likely will buy it if I'm in the mood for a candle. If I don't like the smell and I like the look, I might pick up another one and smell something else. And I want to go off of that. And it's not only that. Let's say I came up to Jacqueline. I was like, oh, what you're smelling is the mandarin citrus. It is really the the scent is developed from, um, you know, beautiful flowers in, you know, the coast of China or something, you know, like whatever it is, it's the story too, the messaging. So not only is she smelling it and she's looking at the vessel, but somebody has to push her over with the messaging, the hook the desire for her to buy right then and right there. I was inspired by the late summers of the coasts of California where the orange yeah. trees are blossoming and the ocean and the ocean hits the sand and you get this mix of saltwater air and orange blossoms, right? I don't know, the coast of China to me wasn't like the most exciting yeah. scent. I was trying to, because <laughs> I was like mandarin citrus. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. You know, like <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winging here and it did not fly. So this in is that how case, the genius works, right? Like no. we go back and forth So here's brains. the thing. I, I do like that you brought that up because then I started to know that messaging did not land. It did not land. I didn't love saying it. I need to tweak my messaging. Meaning, because right, I didn't, I was like, man, I don't know that I want the coast to Yeah, you should have seen the face response. So in that case, <laughs> from like, Jacqueline, wow, wow, girl's no not a poker player, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so she was like, okay, more like, you know. And so in that case, if she was in my booth and I didn't know her, I might do a little bit of digging and she might say, oh, I, um, I'm actually, I moved back to California. I was, on the East Coast for a decade. And I would say, you know what I would recommend is this one. It was really inspired by, you know, California coast, orange blossoms being in season, blah, 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 blah. See what I did there? I heard it and I mirrored it. Hear it, mirror it sort of scenario. And then it landed much better. Same with jewelry, right? Someone's looking at jewelry and they're like browsing. I mean, I just did this yesterday looking for holiday presents for my mother-in-law. No one's around me to support me. I'm looking at jewelry. So it's solely based on me seeing something I'm attracted to and then looking at the price tag. Typically, most customers are going to shop by looking at a price tag. Right. They either need to know if they can afford it or if it's the money that they want to spend on a particular person, right? Um, especially if it's not like a, a product that's like, you know, like, I don't know, Tiffany's, you're like, oh, the, the brand actually represents yeah, the itself. value, the perceived value. Yeah, the perceived value. So when you're thinking about that and I'm walking around now, if somebody came up to me and they're like, oh, that is a beautiful piece. Did you know that that's actually reclaimed glass from the ocean? And we're all about like, um, you know, preserve, like not having waste. And um, are you shopping for someone in particular? Are you shopping for yourself? Oh, I'm shopping for my mother-in-law. 
Oh, and does she love blues? I mean, this is really beautiful. She could wear it with a high neck turtleneck. She could wear it low. You start to give them other things like storyline around it and other types of prompts, like not too pushy. And then you see, like Mina said, you see their feedback. They lean in, tell me more. They Mm -hmm. lean out and they start to put the product down. And all of this is not that you failed. And also I want you to, because this is how my brain would work. I'd be like, darn it. I just messed up a sale. If I said it better, maybe I would have sold her. No, it's just data. It's just just feedback. And here's what you're testing in that scenario. Market product fit. So we don't start with that because people's minds are kind of like, what does that mean? It literally is feedback. You're seeing whether or not that your customer is going to buy in that market and if you fit in there. Meaning like in that case, like Jacqueline came in, was she the ideal customer? What messaging? I'm I'm playing around with messaging and that market, right? So you, so the Jacqueline explained it as like the category before. So it could be, oh, okay, I know how I'm going to stand out is because I know that this has the right ideal customer. The I'm in the marketplace, meaning like these in-person marketplaces are, are the right ones for me, or could be like you said, you know, like even a makeup store or whatever. It could be a pop-up. It could be, you know, a pop-up in a retail store. It could be Etsy, Amazon, whatever it is. Um, you're testing out like product market fit and seeing if people are like, ooh, yes or no. But that yes or no is simply feedback, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of you out there have a lot more questions. Well, what about my website? What about this? What about that? You know, we go into a lot of this once you figure out your bestseller and we work mm-hmm. with our students in multi-stream machine on this, right? How to get websites to convert. Yeah, that's phase two. Yeah. <laughs> so all the questions you're having... A lot of that happens within multi-stream machine. But right now, we really want you to just shift your mindset, whether you need to put a post-it on your computer, have it written on your phone as a screensaver. You can, you know, you could say it's feedback. It's not failure. You can say, I'm an amazing business owner because I take risks would be mine. And you said you... Put myself out there. Put yourself out there, right? I am an amazing business owner because I try Mm -hmm. things differently. And I'm always, Mm -hmm. I'm learning from what I'm learning. Because exactly what you said too, if you make mistakes, but you don't learn from it and improve upon it, then it's on you. But if you make mistakes, you learn from it and you make changes and small, subtle changes, imagine over time what that will do, that impact on your business. Okay, so don't get rid of everything. Don't throw everything out. It's getting better and better at what what you're good at, what people want from you. And the way to get better and better at that is the more research you do, the more data you collect, the more feedback you get is how you get better. Yeah. All right, my friends, we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. 
We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.